the following the following journey into comic 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 network 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 production production Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Poor360. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you for joining me here today. Now, for those of you who didn't listen last week, Poor360 is a show that is topic-based, which means instead of focusing on news, which is what you're used to getting on Tuesdays, you're going to be getting specific topics that are tied to current events. Now, after last week's episode, and I think I talked about it during the episode a little bit, I decided to put up a poll on both Facebook and Twitter to let you, my fans, or audience, or however you want to describe yourselves, decide on what you would like me to talk about on next week's show. This way it keeps you more engaged, and that way I don't get to plan that far ahead. So it gets me a chance to be like, all right, let's see what people are really just talking about. And I end up putting four uh, options on Twitter and two on Facebook, but the Twitter one didn't really take off, so I need to retool that for episode three. But Facebook just had two and ended up being... Pretty close. It was about 2016. No, it wasn't quite 2016. I would say it was about 54 to 46 uh, in favor of the border wall. Now, what do you think when you think of the border wall? Now, not to be confused with your favorite bookstore chain. You know, the one that closed in 2011. Once everyone realized you can get all of your books you ever want on Amazon without actually having to leave the house. You can just stay in your pajamas all day and order books and come to your house and then... Yeah, before Amazon was now the largest corporation in the world. Yeah, so not that borders. The border wall. Now, what kind of comes to mind when you think of a border wall? The Great Wall of China, the Berlin Wall, Pink Floyd's the wall? Now, I don't really know what you're thinking here. But the border wall isn't a new thing. It's been around for quite a while now. Um, Not necessarily... The wall that a lot of you are thinking of, which is which was what we'll get to, but like I said, the Berlin Wall, the Great Wall of China are all other examples of what's going on in terms of borders. Now, borders come in really all sorts of sizes, because if you kind of think about it, there's, the original borders were geographic. They were the borders between, through by mountains, or by oceans, or by lakes, or rivers, but there are many different types of borders. There are political borders. Now, political borders are imposed on the world through human agency. That means that although a political border may follow a river or mountain range, so if you does not automatically define the political border, even though it may be a major physical barrier to crossing, political borders are often classified whether or not they follow conspicuous physical features of, on the earth, as opposed to natural borders. Now, natural borders, like I said before, are geographical features that present natural obstacles to communication and transport. Existing uh, political borders are often formalization of such historical natural obstacles. Some geographic features that often constitute natural borders are oceans, rivers, lakes, forests, and mountain ranges. Uh, Throughout history, uh, technological advances have reduced the cost of transport and communication across the natural borders that has reduced the significance of natural borders over time. As a result, political borders that have been formalized more recently, such as those in Africa or the Americas simply conform less to natural borders than very old borders such as those in Europe and Asia. Now we also have geometric borders. Now geometric borders or geometric boundaries are formed by straight lines such as lines of latitude or longitude or occasionally arcs like you can see in Pennsylvania and Delaware regardless of the physical and cultural features of the area. Some little boundaries are often found around the states that developed out of colonial holdings such as in North America, Africa, and the Middle East. Now, flat borders, which is something that I just don't quite understand, is a generalization of the idea of geometric borders, the idea that a flat boundary by which is meant any sort of boundary that does not track an underlying bona fide, a physical discontinuity. Flat in Latin means let it be done, or a decision. So flat boundaries are typically the product of human demarcation, such as demarking electoral districts or postal districts. So if you look at kind of how like county lines are drawn, this thing baffles me is like I'll look at counties or cities and there's just like, oh, the city kind of wraps around this feature. So and then so it counts gets this or the fact that, oh, hey, like I live in Illinois, so 
the fact that O'Hare Airport, despite being so far away, is technically a part of Chicago. And if you look at like the Chicago map, it because it kind of just jets out in this weird word balloon shaped feature that engulfs O'Hare Airport, so they get those taxes because it's Chicago, and they're gonna fight for it every chance they get. But back to what I was saying. So that's kind of another thing of flat borders. Now we have relict borders. Relict borders is a former boundary which may no longer be a legal boundary at all. However, the former presence of the boundary can still be seen in the landscape. For instance, the boundary between East and West Germany is no longer an international border, but can still be seen because of historical markers in the landscape and is still a cultural and economic division in Germany. We also have lines of control. A line of control refers to a militarized buffer border between two or more nations that yet is yet to be resolved or implemented for permanent border status. LOC borders under military control that are not recognized an official international border, formerly known as a ceasefire line, an LOC was first created as a way to buffer war borders during the Simla Agreement, similar to a ceasefire line, an LOC is the result of war, stalemates, and land ownership conflict. We also have maritime borders, which, uh, maritime borders is a division enclosing an area in the ocean where it, a nation has exclusive rights over the mineral and biological resources, encompassing maritime features, limits, and zones. Um, we also have airspace borders, like you always think of like international airspace and airspace is the atmosphere located within a country's controlled international and maritime borders. All sovereign countries hold the right to regulate and protect airspace under the international laws of air sovereignty. The horizontal boundaries of airspace are similar to the policies of high seas in the maritime law. Aerospace extends 12 nautical miles from the coast of a country and it holds responsibility for protecting its own airspace unless under NATO peacetime protection. Um, and then when you get into out of those type of, you also have international borders. So the different types of international borders are an open border is the deregulation and lack of regulation on the movement of persons between nations and jurisdictions does not apply to trade or movement between privately owned land areas. Most nations have open borders for travel within their nation of travel. Examples of that include the United States and Canada. However, only a handful of nations have deregulated open borders with other nations. Example of this is being the European Union. Members under the Schengen Agreement, S-H-E-N-G-E-N, Schengen Agreement. Open borders used to be very common amongst all nations. However, post-World War I led to the regulation of open borders, making them less common and no longer feasible for most industrialized nations. Now, we also have regulated borders. The regulated borders have a varying degree of control on the movement of persons and trade between nations and jurisdictions. Most industrialized nations have regulation on entry and require one or more of the following procedures, visa check, passport check, or customs checks. Most regulated borders have regulation on immigration, types of wildlife, and plants, and illegal objects such as drugs or weapons. Overall, border regulations are placed by national and local governments can vary depending on nation and current political or economic conditions. Some of the most regulated borders in the world include Australia, the United States, Israel, Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United Arab Emirates. These borders have government-controlled border agencies and organizations that enforce border regulation policies or on and within their borders. We also have demilitarized zones, or a DMZ, is a border separating two or more nations, groups, or militaries that have agreed to prohibit the use of military activity or force within the border bounds. A DMZ can act as a war boundary, ceasefire line, wildfire preserve, or in some cases as a de facto international border. The example of demilitarized international borders is the 30th parallel between North and South Korea. Other notable DMZ zones include Antarctica and outer space. Cons uh, an outer space consisting of all space 100 miles away from the Earth's surface. Both are preserved for world research and exploration. Well, that's also good to know. There are... Yeah. And there are different um, border economics that we have to worry about. Um, the presence of borders uh, often foster certain economic features or anomalies. Whenever two jurisdictions come into contact, special economic opportunities arise for border trade. Smuggling provides a classic case. Uh, contra uh, contrary to rise, a border region may flourish on the provision of excise or import-export services, legal or quasi-legal, corrupt or legitimate. Different regulations on either side of the border may encourage services to position themselves at or near the border, thus the provision of pornography, of prostitutes, of alcohol, fireworks, and or narcotics may cluster around borders, city limits, county lines, ports, and airports in more planned and official context. Special economic zones often tend to cluster near borders or ports. How about that? 
Um, this really is coming to politics in recent years, and this is kind of where we get into what we're really talking about today. And that's political borders have a varying variety of meanings for those whom they affect. Many borders in the world have checkpoints where border control agents inspect persons or goods crossing the boundary. In much of Europe, controls on persons were abolished by the 1985 Schengen Agreement and subsequent European Union legislation. Since the Treaty of Amsterdam, the uh, the competence to pass laws on crossing internal and external borders in the European Union and the associated uh, Schengen area states, Iceland, Norway, Switzerland, and Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein uh, lies exclusively within the jurisdiction of the European Union, except where United States have used a specific right to opt out. United Kingdom, Ireland, which maintain the common travel area among themselves. The United States has notably increased measures taken in border control on the Canada-United States border and the United States-Mexico border during its war on terrorism, the war on terrorism leading from the 9-11 terrorist attack. One American writer said that the 3,600-kilometer, or 2,200-mile, U.S.-Mexico border is probably the world's longest boundary between a first-world and third-world country. Historic borders such as the Great Wall of China, the uh, Maginot Line and Hadrian's Wall have played a great many roles and has been marked in different ways while the Stone Walls, the Great Wall of China and the Roman Hadrian's Wall in Britain had military functions the entirety of the Roman border were very porous which encouraged Roman economic activities with neighbors on the other hand a border like the Maginot Line was entirely military and was meant to prevent any access it was to be World War II to France by its neighbors, Germany. Germany ended up going around the magnet line through Belgium, just as it had done in World War I. So, we kind of talked about the uh, that and, like, the border barriers. So, like, a border barrier is a separation barrier that runs along the international border. Such barriers are typically instruction for border control purposes, such as curbing illegal immigration, human trafficking, and smuggling. In case of a disputed or unclear border, erecting a barrier can serve as a de facto unilateral consolidation of a territorial claim that could be can supersede formal delimitation. Examples of border walls include that of the ancient Great Wall of China, a series of walls separating China from nomadic empires to the north. The construction of border barriers increased in the early 2000s. Half of all border barriers built since World War II ended in 1945 were built after 2000. And there's a lot. Like, you could look at the list of the amount of border barriers. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like, every major country, continent, it just everywhere has one. <clears throat> and that gets us from borders to border control. And border controls are measures taken by a country or block of countries to monitor its borders in order to regulate the movement of people, animals, and goods. And now there are multiple aspects of border control. The big ones are for quarantine. Quarantine policies exist to control the spread of disease when applied to a component of border control system policies focused primarily on mitigating the entry of infected individuals, plants, or animals into a country. Big problem you can see with this is when non or invasive species come to fact, like I think the Asian carp or I always forget the snake. I don't know if it's the not the python. I don't know if it's the python. It's whatever snake is kind of currently infesting the Florida Everglades, which was never meant to be there. So quarantining kind of prevents those things from happening. We also have customs, so each country has its own laws and regulations for the import and export of goods into and out of country, which is customs authority enforces. The import and export of some goods may be restricted or forbidden, in which cases customs controls enforce such policies. Customs forming at borders can also entail collecting excise tax and preventing the smuggling of a dangerous illegal goods. Customs duty is to tariff or tax on the importation or exportation of goods. Now, border security, which is a kind of the big thing right now, uh, border security measures are border control policies adopted by a country or group of countries to fight against unauthorized travel or trade across its borders, uh, to limit illegal immigration, combat transnational crime, prevent wanted criminals from traveling. In India, border security focuses primarily on the Bangladeshi and Pakistani borders in order to deter unlawful immigration and drug trafficking. From Bangladesh, India is constructing the India-Bangladesh barrier. On the Pakistan Pakistani border, the Border Security Force aims to prevent the infiltration of Indian territory by terrorists from Pakistan and other countries in the West. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, etc. American borders focus primarily on the Mexican-American border. 
Security along this border is composed of many distinct elements, including physical barriers, patrol routes, lighting, and the deployment of border patrol personnel. President Donald Trump's person proposal to build a wall along the border was a major feature of his campaign, and has since attempted to have Congress pay $18 billion for its costs. In the short term, Democrats and members of the Republican Party who do not support President Trump argue that other measures would be more effective at reducing illegal immigration to building a wall, including border surveillance, and increase the number of customs agents. Similar to India's barrier with Bangladesh and the proposed wall between America and Mexico, Iran has constructed a wall on its frontier with Pakistan. The wall aims to reduce unauthorized border crossings and stem the flow of drugs. It is also a response to terrorist attacks, notably the one on the Iranian border town of Zidane on February 17th of 2007, which killed 13 people, including nine Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Border security has, over the first two decades of the century, also become a major concern in the Schengen area, specifically as a result of the European migrant crisis. The walls of Melilla and Atquata uh, on Spain's border with Morocco are part of the trend towards increasing border security in response to an unprecedented rise in both refugees and economic migrants from countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Similarly, through less drastic measures have been taken on the Schengen area's border with Turkey in response to the refugee crisis created by Syria by terrorist organizations such as uh, Daesh and the Syrian Free Army. The creation of European Union's collective border security organization, Frontex, is another aspect of the bloc's growing focus on border security. Within the Schengen area, border security has become an especially prominent priority for the Hungarian government under right-wing strongman Viktor Orban. Hungary completed the construction of a 175-kilometer wall between the uh, between Serbia in September 2015 and on the border with Croatia in October 2015 to stop unauthorized border crossings. In April 2016, Hungarian government announced construction of reinforcements of the barrier, which described as temporary. In July 2016, nearly 1,300 migrants were stuck on the Serbian side of the border. In August 2016, Orban announced that Hungary will build another large barrier on its southern border. On April 28, 2017, the Hungarian government announced that it completed a second fence 155 kilometers long with Serbia. On September 24, 2015, Hungary began building fence on its border with Slovenia in the area around... Uh, I'm not going to say why that... I can't pronounce that border crossing. The razor while obstacle was removed two days later. As of March 2016, everything is in place if Hungary decides to build a border wall barrier on the Hungarian-Romanian border. The military is only waiting for the command from the government. Another example of border security is Europe is the Israeli anti-tunnel barrier along its border with the Gaza Strip, a part of the state of Palestine under controls of Hamas, a militant group backed by the Muslim Brotherhood, a Qatari-sponsored fundamentalist organization, in order to curtail Hamas's ability to build tunnels into Israeli-controlled territory. Israel have built a slurry wall. Similarly, Saudi Arabia has begun construction of a border barrier or fence between its territory and Yemen to prevent the unauthorized movement of people and goods. The difference between the country's uh, economic situations means that Yemen's head to Saudi Arabia to find work. Saudi Arabia does not have a barrier with its other neighbors in the Gulf Cooperation Council, whose economics are more similar. In 2006, Saudi Arabia proposed constructing a security fence along the entire length of its 900-kilometer-long a desert border with Iraq in a multi-million dollar project to ensure the kingdom's borders in order to improve internal security, control illegal immigration, and bolster its defense against external threats. In July 2009, it was reported that Saudis will pay $3.5 billion for the security fence. The combined wall and ditch will be 600 miles long and include five layers of fencing, watchtowers, night vision cameras, and radar cameras, and manned by 30,000 troops. Elsewhere in Europe, the, Republican, the Republic of Macedonia began erecting a fence on its border with Greece in November of 2015. On the land border between Palestine and the portion of the Sinal Peninsula, administered by the African nation of Egypt, the latter began construction of a border barrier in 2009, prompting, prompted by concerns that militant organizations were making use of the Gaza Strip smuggling tunnels to move weapons and personnel between Gaza and Egypt. In 2003, Botswana began building a 480-kilometer-long electric fence along its border with Zimbabwe, the official reason for the fence is to stop the spread of foot and mouth disease among livestock. Some boyans argue that the height of the fence is clearly intended to keep out people. Botswana has responded that the fence is designed to keep out cattle and ensure that entrants have their shoes disinfected at legal border crossings. Botswana also argued that the government continues to encourage legal movement in the country. 
Zimbabwe was unconvinced the barrier remains a source of tension. Now, it seems like every country has their own form of border control, border security, border measures to prevent legal transport of goods, people, all of that. But really why you're listening to the episode today is because you want to talk about the Mexico-United States barrier. Now, it's really, well, the United States, uh, sorry, the Mexico-United States barrier is a series of vertical barriers along the Mexico-United States border aimed at preventing illegal crossings from Mexico into the United States. The barrier is not one continuous structure, but a discontinuous series of physical obstructions varying, variously classified as fences or walls. Between the physical barriers, security is provided by a virtual fence of sensors, cameras, and other surveillance equipment used to dispatch United States Border Patrol agents to suspected migrant crossings. As of January 2009, U.S. Customs and Border Protection reported that it had more than 580 miles of barriers in place. The total length of the continental border is 1,954 miles. So roughly a quarter is has a barrier in place. Everything else is kind of a free-for-all. Not quite a free-for-all, it's just not a physical barrier in that place. The barriers were built from 1994 as a part of a three-layer operation to taper transportation of illegal drugs manufactured in Latin America and immigration. Operation Gatekeeper in California, Operation Hold the Line in Texas, and Operation Safeguard in Arizona. 97% of border apprehensions for nationals who are caught being in the U.S. legally by the Border Patrol in 2010 occurred at the southwest border. The number of Border Patrol apprehensions declined 61% from 1,189,000 to, in 2005 to 723,840 in 2008 and 463,000 in 2010. The decrease in apprehensions may be due to a number of factors, including changes in U.S. economic conditions and border enforcement efforts. Border apprehensions in 2010 were at the lowest level since 1972. In December 2016, apprehensions were at 58,478, whereas in March 2017, there were 17,000 apprehensions, which was the fifth month in a row of decline. So we are moving in a downward direction, despite what you might hear from the news media these days. The 1,954 miles border between the United States and Mexico traverses a variety of terrains, including urban areas and deserts. The barrier is located on both urban and uninhabited sections of the border, areas where the most concentrated number of legal crossings of drug trafficking have been observed in the past. These urban, these urban areas include San Diego, California, and El Paso, Texas. As of August 29, 2008, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has built 190 miles of pedestrian border fence and 154.3 miles of vehicle border fence, for a total of 344.3 miles of fence. The completed fence is mainly in New Mexico, Arizona, and California, with construction underway in Texas. The U.S. Customs Border Protection reported that it had more than 580 miles of fence in place by the second week of January 2009. Works underway on fence segments in Texas and on the border infrastructure system in California. As a rule of the barrier, there have been marked increase in the number of people trying to cross areas that have no fence, such as the Sonoran Desert and the Babo Quivari Mountain in Arizona. Such immigrants must cross 50 miles of inhospitable terrain to reach the first road, which is located in the Tejano O. Damn Indian Reservation. That's got to be interesting. So the U.S., uh, kind of what's the status right now? So the U.S. Representative Duncan Hunter, Republican from California, and the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee proposed a plan to the to the House on November 3rd of 2005 calling for the construction of a reinforced fence along the entire United States-Mexico border. This would have included a 100-yard border zone on the U.S. side. On December 15th, 2005, Congress Hunter's amendment to the Border Protection Anti-Terrorism and Legal Immigration Control Act of 2005 passed in the House. The plan called for mandatory fencing along 698 miles of the 1,954-mile border. On May 17, 2006, the United States proposed with Comprehensive Immigration Reform Act of 2006, which could, what could be 370 miles of triple-layered fencing and a vehicle fence. Along the bill, although the bill died in committee, eventually the Secure Fence Act of 2008 was passed by Congress and signed by President. George W. Bush on October 26th of 2006. Now, what did the Secure Fence Act of 2006 do? So the Secure Fence Act states, the bill will help protect the American people, the bill will make our borders... Oh, sorry, this is what uh, George Bush said when he signed it. The bill will help protect the American people, the bill will protect the borders, an important step towards immigration reform. 
so the background uh, the background of the fencing built under the Jurassic Act was not the first border fence in the United States, like I said. Um, Jurassic at the time it was passed George Bush White House touted the fence as an important step towards immigration reform. White House Office of the Press Secretary stated that the act authorizes the construction of hundreds of miles of additional fencing along our southern border, authorizes more vehicle barriers, checkpoints, and lighting to help prevent people from entering our country illegally. Authorizes the Department of Homeland Security to increase the use of advanced technology like camera satellites and unmanned aerial vehicles to reinforce our infrastructure at the border. So, yeah, that's kind of what the 2006 one was. <clears throat> the government of Mexico and ministers of several Latin American countries condemned their plans. Rick Perry, governor of Texas, also expressed his opposition, saying that instead of being crossed, the border should be opened more and through technology support legal and safe migration. The barriers are also opposed by... Actually, I'm going to stop there. It's kind of interesting that Rick Perry came out as opposing this because Rick Perry now serves as the United States Secretary of Energy. But I feel like if Donald Trump even went as simple as to read the Wikipedia article about the United States-Mexico border area, he might have some words to say to former Governor of Texas Rick Scott, who is now his Secretary of Energy. But kind of back to what I was saying. The barrier expansion was also opposed by unanimous votes by the Laredo, Texas City Council. Laredo's Mayor Raul G. Salinas defended his town people by saying that the bill, which included miles of border wall, would devastate Laredo. He said that there are people that are these are people that are sustaining our economy by forty percent. I'm going to close the door on them and put a wall. You don't do that. It's a slap in the face so that Congress should revise the bill to better reflect the realities of life on the border. Now the secure fence office. Uh, now, the Secure Fence Act of 2006 was introduced on September... Well, this is a kind of a repeat of what I've already read. Um, I guess more about this, uh, the Secure Fence Act of 2006. On September 29, 2006, by a vote of 80-19, the U.S. Senate confirmed H.R. 6061, authorizing and partially funding the possible construction of 700 miles of physical fence barriers along the border. The very broad support implied that many assurances were made by the administration the Democrats, Mexico, and the pro-comprehensive immigration reform minority among Republicans. The Olympian security would proceed very cautiously. Secretary of Homeland Security Michael Chertoff announced that an eight-month test of the virtual fence he favored would proceed in a construction of a physical barrier. On October 20, 2006, George W. Bush signed it. The sign of the bill came right after the CNN poll showed that most Americans prefer the idea of a more border patrol agent to a 700-mile fence. So that was, in 2006, uh, the CNN poll showed that most Americans referred more border patrol agents than a physical barrier. The down, Department of Homeland Security had a down payment of $1.2 billion marked for border security, but not specifically for the border fence. As of January 2010, the fence project has been completed from San Diego to Yuma, Arizona, from there continued in Texas of a fence that was 21 feet tall and 6 feet deep in the ground, cemented to a th in a 3 foot wide trench with 5,000 psi uh, concrete. There was no uh, fatalities during construction, but there were four serious injuries and multiple aggressive acts against building crews. There was one reported shooting with no injury to a crew member in the Mexico region, uh, the Mexicali region, sorry. All sections are of are the south of the All-American Canal and have access roads giving border guards the ability to reach any point easily, including the Dunes area where the border agents was killed three years ago and is now sealed off. The Republican Party's 2012 platform stated, The double-layer fencing on the border that was enacted by Congress in 2006 but never completed must finally be built. The Secure Fence Act's costs were estimated at $6 billion, more than the Customs and Border Patrol's entire annual discretionary budget of $5.6 billion. That's just their discretionary budget? That is really shocking. The Washington Office on Latin America noted that its border fact check site in 2013 the cost of the complying with the Secure Fence Act's mandate was the reason it had not been completely fulfilled. <clears throat> so, the Real ID Act, which uh, attaches a rider to the Supplement Appropriations Bill funding the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, decreed, notwithstanding any other provisions of law, the, security, the Secretary of Homeland Security shall have the authority to waive all legal requirements such Secretary... Sorry, in such Secretary's sole discretion determines necessary to ensure expeditious construction of the barriers and roads. Secretary Chertoff used his new power to waive in their entirety 
the Endangered Species Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, the National Environmental Policy Act, the Coastal Zone Management Act, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, and the National Historic Preservation Act to extend triple fencing through the Tijuana River National Estuarines Research Reserve near San Diego. The Real ID Act further stipulates that the Secretary's decisions are not subject to judicial review. In December 2005, a federal judge dismissed legal challenge by the Sierra Club, the Audubon Society, and others to Chertoff's decision. So basically says, you can say, fuck nature, I'm building this barrier whether you like it or not. So Security Chernoff exercised his waiver authority on April 1st, 2008. In June 2008, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal of a lower court ruling up holding the waiver authority in a case filed by the Sierra Club. In 2008, a federal district court judge in El Paso dismissed a similar lawsuit brought by the El Paso County of Texas. By January 2009, U.S. Customs and Border Security Protection, Homeless Security had spent $40 million on environmental analysis and mitigation measures aimed at blunting any possible adverse impact that offense might have on the environment. On January 16, 2009, DHS announced it was pledging an additional $50 million for the purpose and signed an agreement with the U.S. Department of Interior for deletion of additional funding. But we know it is kind of messing up the borders just by kind of disrupting migratory patterns and their usual travels, so... Not ideal. Um, on March of 2010, the Department of Security announced that there were there would be a halt to expand the virtual fence beyond two pilot projects in Arizona. Contractor Boeing had numerous delays and cost overruns. Boeing initially used police dispatching software that was unable to process all the information coming from the border. The $50 million of remaining funding would be used for mobile surveillance devices, sensors, and radios to patrol and protect the border. At the time, the Department of Homeland Security has spent $3.4 billion on border fence and had built 640 miles of fence and barriers as part of the Secure Border Initiative. And there have been various local efforts. Uh, piecemeal fencing has also been established in this five under the, its president, Roman H. Dolvina Laredo Community College, located on the border, obtained a 10-foot fence built by the United States Marine Corps. The structure was not designed as a border barrier as such, but was intended to divert smugglers and illegal immigration places where the authorities can halt entrance into the U.S. Now it kind of brings us to the Trump administration and everything that's going on with that. So, throughout his 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump called for the construction of a much larger and fortified border wall, claiming that if elected, he would build the wall and make Mexico pay for it. Some estimates show an 8 to $12 billion cost for such a project, while others find there are enough uncertainties to drive the cost to between 15 and $25 billion. In January 2017, Mexican President Enrique Pena Nieto said his country would not pay for the wall. On January 25th, 2017, the Trump administration signed Executive Order 13767, which formally directed the U.S. government to begin attempting to construct a border wall using existing federal funding. Although actual construction of a wall did not begin at this time due to the large expense and lack of clarity on how it would be paid for. <coughs> Trump had planned to meet uh, Peña Nieto at the White House on January 27, 2017, with this topic including border security and possible negotiations around the wall. Before the meeting, however, Trump announced that the U.S. would impose a 20% tariff on imported Mexican goods as Mexico's payment for the wall. In response, Peña Nieto gave a national televised address stating that Mexico would not pay for the wall. Mexico doesn't believe in walls and that he was canceling his meeting with Trump. In March 2017, the Trump administration submitted a budget a Amendment for fiscal year 2017 that includes a $3 billion continuous budget for border security and immigration enforcements. Trump's FY 2018 budget blueprint increased discretionary funds for the Department of Homeland Security to by $2.8 billion to $44.1 billion. That's a nice chunk of change. The Judiciary Secretary John F. Kelly told the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee during a hearing that budget blueprint includes $2.6 billion for a high-priority border security technology and tactical infrastructure, including funding to plan design, and construct the border wall. A survey conducted by the National Border Patrol Council found that 89% of Border Patrol agents said a wall system in strategic locations is necessary to secure the border. 7% of agents disagreed. Then U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill, a Democrat from uh, Missouri, said during a hearing that she that while she believed Americans want a secure border, she has not met anyone that says the most effective way to build a wall across the entirety of our southern border Oh, it says the most effective way to secure the border is to build a wall across the entirety of the southern border of the United States. The only one who keeps talking about that is President Trump. That was her statement. 
Later in September 2017, Trump proposed in a White House meeting that the wall should be covered with solar panels, claiming that this would generate revenue and improve its appearance. On January 21st, 2017, Trump told a rally in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that he is working on ways in which Mexico will have to pay much less money, saying that the wall would be a solar wall that would create energy and pay for itself. Okay. In March 2018, Trump also cited a study by the Center for Immigration Studies which claimed that a wall along the Mexican border could save taxpayers $64 billion by reducing crime and welfare costs for undocumented immigrants for a ten, the 10 years after its construction, thereby breaking even on construction costs and paying for itself. Eric Bohm of Reason Magazine disputed this claim, saying that the study massively underestimates the actual cost of building and maintaining the wall. Bohm also criticized that the analysis overestimated the positive economic impact of stopping illegal immigration and how good the wall would be at preventing citing that a third of illegal immigrants were simply overstaying their visas and not actually enter the U.S. illegally. At the end of 2018, Mexico had not entered into an agreement to pay for any amount of the wall, and there had been no new tariffs or earmarks dedicated to funding it. In March 2018, Congress appropriated $1.6 billion out of a $1.3 trillion spending bill towards the border barrier, characterized by Trump as a down payment that would be spent building not only some new wall, but also fixing existing walls. In the end, this, was, this specific appropriation only ended up funding about 90 miles of fiscal barriers with Mexico, far, shot, uh, far short of what would be needed to construct a large concrete border wall. On September 12, 2017, the United States Department of Homeland Security issued a notice that Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Elaine Duke would be waiving certain laws, regulation, other legal requirements to be instruction of a new wall near Calexico, California. The waiver allows the Department of Homeland Security to bypass the National Environmental Protection Agency, the Endangered Species Act, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the National Historic Preservation Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, the Migratory Bird Conservation Act, the Archaeological Resource Protection Act, the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Noise Control Act, the Solid Waste Disposal Act, the Antiquities Act, the Federal Land Policy Management Act, the Administrative Procedure Act, the Native American Graves Protection Repartition Act, and the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. Get the picture. In September 2017, the U.S. government announced the state of construction of eight prototype barriers made from concrete and other materials. On June 3, 2018, the San Diego section of the U.S. border wall construction began. On October 26th, a two-mile stretch of steel bollards in Glasgow, California, was commemorated as the first section of Trump's wall. On media coverage, heavily debated whether it should be considered a wall or a fence. A manufacturing company based in Pine City, Minnesota, was awarded a bid to help build the virtual wall along the border in 2018. Instead of using physical walls, the plan for a virtual wall would involve easily transportable roll-up towers with attached motion sensing and camera equipment. While initially very small and so easily movable, when deployed, the internal structure of the tower telescopes upward to create a tail surveillance apparatus. Along remote parts of the border, this method could be cheaper and more practical than building permanent structures on location. In August 2017, while speaking at a rally in Phoenix, Arizona, Trump said he would close down the U.S. government if necessary to force Congress to pay for the wall. On December 22, 2018, the federal government went into a partial shutdown due to a threat by Donald Trump to veto any spending legislation that did not include $5 billion in funding for a border wall. Trump was uh, Earlier harshly criticized by pr prominent leaders of his political base, such as Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh, for failing to secure $5 billion funding for the wall in the previous fiscal year's appropriations bill. The shutdown has continued into 2019, and as I'm speaking, is in its probably going on probably about 30 days now. And that was the topic of last week's episode, was the government shutdown. On January 4th, 2018, the White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders asserted without a specific source that nearly 4,000 known or suspected terrorists that came across our southern border were apprehended during 2018. Fact checkers concluded that Sanders was misinterpreting a statistic presented in the briefing materials for the press conference that stated 3,775 known or suspected terrorists were prevented from traveling or entering the United States by the Department of Homeland Security, most of which likely tried to enter through air travel and not the southern border. DHS Secretary Christian Nielsen also made a similar assertion during a closed meeting with White House and congressional leaders that 3,000 terrorists and 17,000 criminals were apprehended at the U.S. border with Mexico in 2018. After facing that the statement was unrealistic when news of it leaked to the media, Nielsen clarified that the 3,000 special interest aliens 
considered to be possible terrorists were prevented from entering the United States on all land borders, both the Canadian and Mexican borders. However, only 2,554 people in the terrorist watch list attempted to enter the United States through all modes of transit in fiscal year 2017, and only 335 attempted to enter by land, meaning many consider a statement a lie. The State Department also reported in September 2018 that by the end of 2017, there was no credible evidence indicating that international terrorist groups have established bases in Mexico. Worked with Mexican drug cartels or sent operatives via Mexico in the United States. During the shutdown, Trump asserted that former presidents had privately told him that they should have built a border wall, but every former president alive during the Trump presidency denied this. Until his speech on January 8, 2019, Trump asserted that 90% of heroin sold in America floods across from our southern border. Though virtually all drugs smuggled across the border flow through legal ports of entry rather than through open border spaces. During a visit to McAllen, Texas on January 10th, Trump repeated an assert, uh, assertion that he had previously made. When I say Mexico is going to pay for the wall, I didn't say they're going to write me a check for $10 billion or $20 billion. If Congress approves this trade bill, they'll pay for the wall many times over. When I say Mexico is going to pay for the wall, that's what I mean. Media fact checkers determined Trump's assertion to be false. Now, there's controversy kind of going on around this. Tribal lands of three indigenous nations would be divided by a proposed border fence. So that's a problem that we have. We also have uh, Hidalgo County. In the spring of 2007, more than 25 landowners, including a corporation and a school district from Hidalgo and Stark County in Texas, refused border security fence surveys, which would determine what land was eligible for building on as an act of protest. We also have the Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge. On January 1st, 2018, the chief of the Border Patrol's Rio Grande Valley sector indicated that although Stark County was its first party for a while, Hidalgo County's Santa Ana National Wildlife has been selected instead for initial construction because it was land owned by the government. Uh, the National Butterfly Center. The proposed border wall would, has been described as a descendant to the American National Butterfly Center, privately operated outdoor butterfly conservatory that maintains a significant amount of land in Mexico. Filmmaker Christian Schleier, part of an all-woman team creating a documentary film about butterflies in the border wall, estimates the construction would put 7% of its of the preserved habitat on the Mexican side of the border, in addition to concern about seizure of private property by federal government. Certain employees have noted that local economic impact. The senator's director has stated that Environmental tourism contributes to more than 415 million to Hidalgo and Star counties. In early December 2018, a challenge to wall construction at the National Butterfly Center was rejected by the U.S. Supreme Court. According to the San Antonio Express News, the High Court let stand an appeals ruling that let the administration bypass 28 federal laws. Yeah, I, I don't get why they're allowing that bypass. We know Mexico is condemning it. There's no, there's been plenty of migrant deaths between those traveling and having an effect. We know it's going to affect a lot of the environmental side of things. In April 2008, the Department of Security announced plans to waive those 30 environmental and cultural laws to speak construction of the barrier despite claims that from then Homeland Security Chief Michael Chertoff the department would minimize the construction impact on the environment. Um... Critics in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas asserted that the fence endangered species and fragile ecosystems along the Rio Grande environment expressed concerns about butterfly migration, corridors, and the future of species of local wildcats, the ocelot, the jaguar undie, and the jaguar. U.S. Customs and Border Protection conducted environmental reviews of each pedestrian and vehicle fence segment covered by the waiver and published the results and analysis in environmental stewardship plans. Without regard to to by the waiver CPBs have conducted the same level of environmental analysis that would have been performed before the waiver to have potential impacts to sensitive resources in the areas where fence is being constructed. ESP is completed by CBP contains extremely limited survey of local wildlife. For example, the ESP for a border wall built in the Del Rio sector includes a single survey for wildlife completed in November 2007. Only three invertebrates, one reptile species, two female species, one mammal species, and 21 bird species were recorded. The SBs then dismissed the potential for most adverse effects on wildlife based on sweeping generalizations and without any quantitative analysis of the risks posed by border barriers. Approximately 461 acres of vegetation will be cleared along the impact corridor from the Rio Grande Valley. The impact corridor will be cleared 
Um, the impact quarter avoids known local locations of Walker's Manicock and Sapta Bladder Pod, but approaches several known locations of Texas uh, Yenya. For this reason, the impact of federally listed plants are anticipated to be short-term, moderate, and adverse. The physical this extra is typical of DSPs and the risk of endangered plants in this deemed short-term without any quantitative population analysis. Uh, by 2008, more than 90% of the southern border in Arizona-Mexico had been surveyed. In addition, 80% of the California-Mexico border had been surveyed. About 100, 100 species of plants and animals, many already endangered, are threatened by the wall, including the jaguar, ocelot, sonoran, pronghorn, Mexican wolf, and pygmy owl, the thick-billed barret, and the Queenow checker spot butterfly, according to Scott Egan of Rice University. A wall can create a population bottleneck, increase inbreeding, and cut off the natural migration routes and range expansion. An initial 7-mile wall for which U.S. funding has been requested on the nearly 2,000-mile border would pass through the Tijuana Pseudo National Wildlife Refuge in California, the Santana National Wildlife Refuge in Lower Rio Grande, Valley National Wildlife Refuge in Texas, and Mexico's Cabiza Priesta National Wildlife Refuge in the El Picante, or Pinacate in Granda Sutra del Atar Biosphere Reserve, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site that the U.S. is bound by global treaty to protect. The U.S. Customs Border Protection plans to build the wall using the Real ID Act to avoid the process of making environmental impact statements. Strategy devised by Michael Chertoff during the Bush administration. Ruder said the Real ID Act also allows the Secretary of Homeland Security to exempt CPP from adhering to the Endangered Species Act, which would otherwise prohibit construction in a wildlife refuge. So, politics aside, it looks like through some clever, if you can say clever, um through this ID act allows them to really just massacre the environment to build this wall, regardless of natural barriers or the animals that exist there. And it really reminds me of the movie I just saw recently, which was vice, which is about uh, George W. Bush's vice president, Dick Cheney, kind of his life going up to that point and his life since. And yeah, this definitely seems like a page right of that book. So yeah, that was something that's kind of a shock to me, but that's something that'll definitely stick with me for a bit. So a lot of people haven't been saying, you've seen it online and stuff about how all of this um, this border will affect the environment and how the Bush administration's, um, not the Bush administration, the Trump administration's push to build this wall, build a complete wall from one side to the other for five Five billion dollars, eight billion. I can't remember the exact number now. Getting a little late here, but and it actually recently came as um, kind of goes back to the, kind of the current news, which is even on Saturday. I'm not going to really go into the disc because that's not really what this shows anymore. The Trump is now bargaining with Democrats, giving them a little of what they want in exchange for this, which seems to seem like they're using the government shutdown is the hostage. And Trump has his demands, but he's willing, instead of letting the hostage, which is the government shutdown, go, he said, okay, I'll I'll end the shutdown and give you all of these things, which also cost the taxpayers a ton of money, if you give me my big wall so I can say I accomplished this goal going into the 2020 election. I don't. I think if he was guaranteed a second term, I don't think he would care this much about this wall, but the fact that he is now two years out from the 2020 election with a lot of Democratic contenders coming into play and with some Republican contenders starting to come up. He wants to say, he wants to keep up with that, his 2020 campaign of promises made, promises kept. And if this border wall doesn't happen, he can't say one of his biggest campaign platforms of the 2016 election didn't happen with the two years that he had control of the three branches of government, or the the two houses of government and the and the White House that now that he doesn't have the house anymore that he can now complain about it. But I don't know. There's been a lot of history about what's going on with the border wall, what we have to say, and really the history of it as a whole. So really take with this what you will and definitely do your research. It seems like there's a lot going on with this border, how it affects our relationship with those how there has been a decrease in the amount of people actually crossing illegally 
and how a lot of the people who say illegal immigrants are just people who have came here legally with a set visa, then let it expire, and are now just here illegally, but not enter legally. So it seems like there's a lot of false information out there that you just need to be mindful of in the Facebook and all that they're showing this. And the fact that it's a 2,000-mile border that's going to be a pain to build through, and it'll affect a lot of wildlife, water routes, and it's just... And once this is done, people are just going to forget about it. And all the effects that this happened isn't going to bother them one iota. But just things to keep in mind as we move forward. I want to thank again Wikipedia for all your help and giving me all this information. Because in the age, if I was trying to do this 20 years ago, one, podcasts aren't really a, weren't really a thing 20 years ago. This would have been a radio show or public access TV. I, I really don't know what it would be. But if I did pull a bunch of books out and write information. These shows become monthly. But thanks to Wikipedia, I can put these out faster. And just like how it got through college, Wikipedia is always great there. And it's really helpful because when you look at a Wikipedia article, it'll say it'll have links in the, within the article to like get more information. Like, oh, the thing I said about Hidalgo County. I can actually go into what Hidalgo County is, where it's located, what's going on there. It just gives you more information. You can really follow the breadcrumbs to find as much information as possible. And that's how you should it. You shouldn't just take anything at face value. You shouldn't trust the news media that way. You shouldn't trust what people tell you that way. I mean, you should trust people, but blind following doesn't help anyone and really just hurts us as a whole. Like I said in the, the bumper... People are more interested in being on a winning side or being or defending their side than actually determining which side is even right. So definitely find the, your own truth. Do your research. Definitely keep digging into it. And really just stay tuned for what I'm going to talk about next week. And hopefully it won't be something as heavy. I'm going to try and kind of have something lighthearted next week. So maybe I'll have some lighthearted options. I don't know if I'm going to roll last week's into it. But definitely want to have a nice, easier, not as deep in depth they're not as heavy an episode it's not going to be I, I really can't think of anything right now it's just kind of slip in my mind but yeah definitely it'll be something that'll be a little lighter i think i'll have some lighter options i know one thing that i'm kind of passionate about that i've talked about in back in poor entertainment and poor report is um the oscar nominations were today as you listen to this episode if they're depending if you listen to the morning they're upcoming but on Tuesdays when they'll be announced, so that'll be something that maybe that'll be one of my topics. I think on the Twitter poll that was one of them, but that'll probably be one of the two, and we'll see people like it, and that'll just be more interesting stuff to talk about, and a little bit different than all of this government, U.S. politics, U.S. news. But if you like it, I'll keep doing it, but definitely could use a breather for a week. So that will do it for Poor 360 for this week, and I'm going to leave you with the words of President Trump, regarding his thoughts on the border wall before I get out of here. So listen to that, and I will talk to you guys next week. Never, ever give up. Don't give up. Don't allow it to happen. If there's a concrete wall in front of you, go through it, go over it, go around it, but get to the other side of that wall. You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many others. Hey guys. Veronica. Andrew. And Nate here. We are Foodies Watching Movies. A podcast dedicated to awesome movies, great food, and that's about it. Check us out on the JIC Network at www.journeyintocomics.com. Maybe throw some money over to our Patreon. So we can eat this week. And now your feature presentation. Welcome back. This is another mini episode to go at the tail end of Poor360. This one is Poor Sports. Yes, it's called Poor Sports 1 because Poor is my name and Poor Sports because I don't know a ton about sports. Really, with football, I didn't really get into it until very recently. Really, in my adult life, I mean, I went to like Super Bowl viewing parties, but I didn't really care about football going into it. In the past few years, I've since I really got into fantasy football, I've been keeping up with the games, and I actually watched the two games that happened on Sunday, as you're listening to this, and that was 
the Rams Saints and then the Chiefs Patriots were both on were both on uh, Sunday. And both went into overtime, surprisingly enough. That doesn't typically happen. Not since really I think the last Super Bowl went into overtime, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's really one of those things. It's kind of a crazy that we actually see this. And I know there have been some bad calls today. I got to watch actually almost a full game between the two games. I watched the second half of the... Rams-Saints game, so I got to see the Rams win, which is nice since the Rams really haven't been to the Super Bowl since, like, 2000, I think was when they won, and then got to see that uh, the first half of the uh, Patriots-Chiefs uh, game, which didn't look that great, 14-0 when I stopped watching, and then I was I was kind of preparing the episode and stuff, I saw that it also was going to go into overtime, so it's been a kind of a crazy game there, but it's... Unfortunately, uh, ended up being, like I said, the the Rams won, so they're going to the Super Bowl. And then the Patriots won, so they're going to the Super Bowl for the umpteenth time, giving Belichick and Tom Brady their chance at a sixth uh, ring. Um, I have a cat on my lap now that just had to hop up, so that purring you might hear on the mic is definitely from him. But I, gotta, like, I definitely was rooting against the Patriots. I think they need to let... Just to chill. They don't need to win as much as they do. I'm sure it's great for people in New England who are like... Like, not New England. New England's not a place. It's just the Northeast where people are big fans. But I... Like, no one per- like needs that many victories. Like, it's kind of really, like... It's not, probably not even fun anymore. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. But I think once you have... A whole hand to Super Bowl rings, and then you can start another hand? It's a little ridiculous. I even made the Facebook post that it would be a shame if Tom Brady was to break his leg on the ice on his way home. But I don't. I really don't wish bad on anyone. It's, it's kind of crazy, but I think he's going to keep playing until he just becomes too old or they force him to retire. But, I mean, he's a great athlete. He's in good shape. And I know Belichick is a great coach, but it's just... When you see a team that just wins that much, it's just ridiculous. Like, why is it even fair? And then people will blame refs or see it's bad calls that they're playing. And then there's the whole deflate gate thing years back. But, I don't know. I'll still watch Super Bowl. I haven't missed a Super Bowl in the past five years, I think. Because I know I, I watched it in college and I watched them since in my adult life through Super Bowl parties. Like, where you're not like, 100% watching it. But I've watched a lot more recently and there's always crazy calls and... Well, I'm kind of in it for the commercials because you usually end up with getting some great trailers, and I'm a big movie fan, so whenever I see that, like, remember the last Super Bowls when we got the Solo trailer, which looked awesome, but then Solo was not super awesome, but this year we could get probably another Endgame trailer, which I'm excited for, but I don't know. We'll kind of see how this game goes. I'm really going to be rooting for the Rams just because I think it'll be nice for kind of an underdog team, the team that hasn't been the Super Bowl in quite a long time gets a chance to play for it it's a shame that my bears didn't make it in but they had a great season next season will be even better hopefully so we'll kind of have to see where that goes from there but that will kind of do it i don't really get the specifics like i said i kind of just watched the game definitely when you get to this point there's both teams are so evenly matched they're gonna go they're gonna be close there's never gonna be blowouts in championship games just like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl will be kind of come down to bad decisions, bad calls, and kind of those are like the big things. Like both teams are evenly matched. Both teams are going to give it their all. They're going to practice all of next week in preparation for this. They're going to have the eyes of millions and millions of people watching them and a chance at victory and bragging rights for the next year. And lowest uh, draft order. But we'll kind of see how that all shakes out. But. I'll definitely be rooting for the Rams. Nothing against the Patriots. I would just prefer that they go uh, two for two on Super Bowl losses in recent memory. So, but that'll do it for poor sports this week. I'm going to try and flesh that out a little bit more on future episodes. I do talk about sports, which will probably be... The next one will probably follow after the Super Bowl. Just like I believe this next one will be about... 
if it if it doesn't end up being the main show, it'll probably be the mini show. It'll be on the 2019 uh, Oscar nominations, which will be coming out today. So, or not today's you listen to this one, they'll come out. So I'll be discussing those and probably give my my picks for winners for all of that, at least for the movies I've seen. And we'll just kind of go from there. But yeah, that'll do it for Poor Sports for this week. Definitely check back next week for a new Poor 360, a new Poor Minnesota at the back end. Thanks.